have sinned, I have lied, I have loved, I have cried. Now I
Welcome to the Arts Report for September 10th, 2014. I'm here with arts reporter Christine Kim to talk about Edward Albee's The Zoo at the Fringe Festival. Matt Granlin is also in studio to talk about a podcast he's been working on, on some themes related to dating and quitting and failure. Um, it's a fringe-related initiative that we'll be doing, so we'll talk about that. And Danielle Piper, another arts reporter, put together a podcast on the topic of the environment. So this is kind of another all-fringe episode of the Arts Report. Thanks for tuning in. We had an excellent day on Monday. We did a live broadcast. My co-host Rohit and I did a live broadcast from the Agro Cafe down on Granville Island. And it was a really, really, really fun time. Like we talked to about 10 different actors. There were more than 10, but 10 different productions. And there's some really great stuff happening at the Fringe and a really good vibe. So the focus today is going to be on the podcast. And I know Danielle and Matt put in some serious effort to put these podcasts together. And I am so grateful. Matt, I'm taking you out for dinner. Um, and Christine, you also made a beautiful podcast that we played last week. So tell us about Edward Albee's The Zoo. Yeah, so this past Sunday, uh, I went to go see Edward Albee's The Zoo Story, presented by Enigma Theatre, directed by Tanya Matavanan. Um, but before that, like you guys heard, um, I actually had an interview with the director, Tanya, um, the two actors in the play, Scott Button and Tom Stevens. And I got to hear a little bit more about what the play was going to be like. So the premise of the play is um, in, it's set in the late 1950s, and uh, we see Peter uh, sitting in a bench in Central Park, New York City. And along comes Jerry, who looks kind of scruffed up, um, and he just kind of strikes up a conversation with Peter. Um, and from there, the play um, moves forward. So initially, before seeing the play on Sunday, um, I really thought that this play was going to be all talking. You know, um, I thought that it was going to be a play that I'd have to see a couple times to um, fully understand it and really get um, the heart of the play. Um, actually, Jerry... Uh, Actually, Tom, the um, actor who plays Jerry in the play, was talking about, you know, the six-page monologue that he had to memorize. And um, Tanya was talking about how dependent um, the play is on the actors and, like, the actor's mood before they come on stage. So um, I did have, like, a lot of, I guess... Um, questions. I was like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to fully understand this. I wonder if um, this play is going to be, um, if, if it's going to turn out to be a really good play. Um, and when I saw it, um, I was absolutely blown away by how captivating it was from start to finish. Um, despite, I guess, the talking that's involved in the play, I was so absorbed into every single second of the play itself. And by the end of it, I was so full of emotion that I honestly wanted to cry Aww. on my bus ride home. Like, no joke. Um, it was so moving and captivating. And I think part of it was the length of the of the play and how in such a condensed period of time, only about 50 minutes, um, how much can go down? Um and so, like I said, um, Scott Button and Tom Stevens were both incredible actors. Um, but just highlighting Tom Stevens for a moment, his performance was absolutely breathtaking. Um, he had a lot of lines, but every um, 
every single syllable, I guess, that he spoke, he just poured in so much emotion um, into the dialogue, into his body language, into the different pitches of his voice. Like that was really, really cool and amazing to see. Um, so props to the whole crew and Tanya for producing such a great show. Um, I found that through watching this, I was really reminded of the beauty of theater and the beauty and the power it can have in conveying such difficult ideas about society and about the reality that we live in. And I didn't really understand this until I saw the play, but there's an energy that live actors bring to a performance that gets lost over a TV screen or a computer screen. And watching this play, I really felt that energy that I knew I wouldn't have been able to feel if I saw this through like movie or, um, yeah, movie or like MP4, I guess, <laughs> um, format. Um, and so that was really cool. Um, and I just really want to share um, one of my favorite quotes from the entire play. Um, and that quote was said uh, right after Jerry finishes, I guess, his dog story, which is something you uh, listeners <laughs> will have to find out what that's about. But the quote goes like this. We neither love nor hurt because we do not try to reach each other and was trying to feed the dog an act of love. And perhaps was the dog's attempt to bite me not an act of love. If we can so misunderstand, well then, why, do we, why have we invented the word love in the first place? And I really, really like that quote. I, I loved the ideas of social disparity and the ideas of cities being concrete jungles in the play and how it married um, such difficult, I guess, ideas into such a emotional and beautiful place. So um, this is one play I would definitely encourage um, everyone to go watch, like no matter if you're one of those people who has a hard time focusing on um, for long periods of time. Or <laughs> I do. <laughs> so does Matt. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Yeah, any person like this one, I was it's it's something you wouldn't expect. Um, just talking about the premise of the play. It's really the premise is just two people meet unexpectedly and they talk. But after you watch the play or like while watching it, you're really, really blown away. Um, so I guess one other thing I would also say is I when I was watching the play, I sat beside John Taylor, um, who's an artist and photographer here in Vancouver, and he was telling me that one of the beauties of theater is the fact that every single showing is not the same. Every single showing, there's different nuances, um, there's different little quirks that um, actors put into the show. And I could see that the way that Scott and Tom acted that night it did not feel at all overly re re rehearsed or um, it didn't really feel memorized because of how natural, I guess, the play came off. And that was really important to the plot of the play because of how much talking there is. It, there really needs to be a conversation kind of atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And I could see the two actors did that very, very well. Yeah. Um, just a little bit more memorization and it would have felt like completely fake, right? right. So... That, too, was also just so amazing to see and so incredible to kind of um, feel, yeah. I guess, like yeah. from watching the play. Oh, I'm glad you really liked it. Yeah. So what, what performances are left of it? 
Uh, so it, there's three performances left um, tonight at 8.45, um, Saturday at 9.25, and on Sunday at 4.10. And this is at the Culch, um, which is on Venable Street. Um, you can get tickets for $14 plus membership, which is, uh, I believe, $5. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming in, and thanks for participating in the fringe it's been a great year i think at the fringe and we've got three podcasts coming up on different fringe themes and plays so i want to make sure we get to those matt why don't you pull up a chair here and tell us about the podcast you made um yeah i guess i made a couple uh first up i did one about uh, quitting and failure that was a theme so sarah's probably mentioned that there were themes this year so one of them was quitting and failure one of them was dating and uh, what were the other things? Environment. Uh, environment, yeah. A couple that we didn't do were like musicals. Yeah. Spa- science fiction. Yeah. Those ones didn't get done, yep. but yeah. Sometimes musicals are in a quiet taste. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, first up I did uh, Quitting and Failure um, through the help of Al LaFrance. So he is um, somebody who put on a play called The Quitter. And so I interviewed him. And uh, it was fabulous. He's a comic from Montreal and very, very smart guy. And basically, he's turned failure into success because his life has been quitting and failing everything, dropping out of school multiple times, quitting jobs. And he had the courage to create a play out of it. And that's really cool. And a play that works. And it's been well-reviewed across the country. And I've done, well, I didn't do a review because I haven't seen it, but I interviewed him. And uh, so we'll play that one. I guess we'll play that one second. Okay. And, uh, and the first one um, was the one I just finished on, on uh, dating. So there's actually three plays about dating in this Fringe Festival. There's one called Deranged Dating. There's one called Gary Had a Date. And the other is Dirty Old Woman. And I don't know much about that one, but the two first two I do know a bit about because last night I saw Deranged Dating and it was awesome. It's a, a female um, solo show. As is the second one, Gary Had a Date, a female only show but she dresses as a male did you talk to emily yes i did today I ta- we talked to her at the live broadcast she was so oh. sweet and cute okay well um yeah so yes yeah, sarah recommended i talk to her and i did today so yeah. um Excellent. and uh yeah so it's cool like she dresses up as a man and um it's great um hmm. so, so uh, we're gonna play that i'm having a bit of a panic attack because it's world suicide prevention day today september 10th And while these podcasts are playing, I'm going to be doing a tweet chat, which is a high-paced, multi-faceted, interactive Twitter conversation, which I'm going to be having uh, with a few different organizations under the Twitter handle at at Crest underscore clinician. And so we'll be answering some questions about suicide prevention. So if you want to check that out, come onto Twitter uh, and join the conversation about World Suicide Prevention Day. But while that's happening, uh, we're going to play Matt's podcast. And thanks again, Matt. Like, I'm seriously grateful that you put those together. And same to you, Christine, for doing such a great job last week and this week. Your review was very, very comprehensive. Yes. Good. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You turned into quite the theater critic. You, see, you, you, you do a few plays a year for us, and it's really great. Matt, where is this file? Matt is helpful. Um, yeah, the dating thing is funny because we've had a few guests on recently talking mm. about dating and doing creative work about dating. And I'll be interested what you have to say about it, Matt. Um, but Emily from Gary Has a Date was really great. She has mm. these, she, she plays a male character who's kind of a nerd, 
and she puts in these fake buck teeth and she's kind wow. of almost like a Charlie Chaplin or a, like a Mr. Bean character. So it's huh. really interesting. She's from Portland. So here we go. And welcome to another podcast in the CITR Radio Arts Report series for the 30th annual Vancouver Fringe Festival. The theme of this episode is dating. The world of dating is fraught with wonderful growth experiences, but also tragic mishaps. And it's not surprising that over the years, many of the creative minds that have entered the fringe theatre world have decided to dissect their dating experiences with equal parts flair and satire. This year is no exception with three plays tackling this theme. Gary Has a Date, Deranged Dating, and Dirty Old Women. You will learn about two of these plays in particular today, Deranged Dating, with my brief review of the play, and also Gary Has a Date, with my interview with Emily Windler, creator of the play. I saw Deranged Dating at the review stage last night and I thoroughly enjoyed the play. A vibrant comic named Shirley Kirchman has come all the way from South Africa to present a madcap 60 minutes of intensely physical comedy, which leans heavily on her own life experience. Here is her description of the play from the Fringe Theatre website. Hi, I'm Shirley Kirchman, and after 17 years of serial monogamy, I found myself 35 and single. This is my true story about my year-long elusive search for love. Meet my concerned family, my bizarre dates, and the terrifying matchmaker. A hilarious fusion of stand-up skits and absurd storytelling. I think Shirley is captivating and hilarious the whole way through the performance, as she self-deprecatingly portrays the dating experience through a series of skits based on experiences as unlikely as a man texting her his penis photo after the first date, and even a man bringing his mother on date. She has some truly remarkable one-liners that cut to the core of some of the absurdity of the modern dating scene, which of course includes the murky world of internet dating. Shirley keeps the audience's attention with skillful use of costume changes, where she takes on the role of her doting mother and also an obnoxious operator of a dating agency. The addition of a tragic interpretive dance on the vicissitudes of the dating experience, I think deranged dating is certainly a fine example of physical comedy which Fringe Theatre seems to excel at, as Jem Rolls will reiterate in his upcoming interview. My only criticism is I didn't walk away feeling I'd learnt any real pearls of wisdom about how to be more effective at the dating experience myself. Although if you do listen closely, you'll hear Shirley's mother's character bluntly stating that commitment, pain and suffering are all part of growing up. And let's face it, dating can no doubt bring us face to face with our fears around these things. I give deranged dating four stars. You can catch Shirley Kirchman in Deranged Dating, Saturday 13th of September at 9.15pm and Sunday 14th of September at 5pm at the review stage. Gary Has a Date is another satirical one-woman play about the dating world. While I haven't had the chance to see this play yet, I caught up with playwright and performer Emily Windler this afternoon and she will tell you now what to expect if you decide to check out the play. Hello, thank you so much for having me. No problem at all. As I mentioned earlier, I haven't had a chance yet to see your play, but I'm very intrigued because it fits into the theme of today's uh, dating theme. And I'm wondering how, right. you, f- how you fit in, because I, I, I did see a one-woman dating play last night. What are you bringing to the theme of dating at this festival? Well, this play is all about 
the preparation of a first date. It is a one-woman man show. I play a man named Gary, and it's a physical comedy, so it um, it's a very physically silly look at trying to get ready for a date and making trying to make sure that everything goes right, but uh, of course everything goes uh, really wrong. As often happens in real life, so we can relate. <laughs> exactly, <audience>. exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so it's really a, a look at Gary, who is um, a bit of a hopeless romantic in the way that, you know, he's not not so smooth with the ladies, but he really wants to find someone special, and uh, and he's finally snagged. A uh, finally snagged a date, so he's um, he's trying to go by the book quite literally because um, he's a you know he's a man of science, and so he's uh, really trying to look at it as a formula of of how to have a date go just right, and um, and he of course gets in gets in his own way. Uh, of course, it's it's quite self defeating when you know love is all about the heart, not not the head. I guess so. Interesting, <laughs> yeah, interesting exactly. premise. Yeah, and and the show is. Um, you know, it's in a the style of physical comedy, um, mainly because I just I I, uh, I I love that style, and I grew up watching a lot of the um, a lot of the men physical comics such as Peter Sellers and Don Knotts and uh, and uh, um, uh, you know Mr. Bean, all that all that kind of comedy, and so uh, this really falls into that into that style. And Fringe is just the perfect avenue, I guess, for this kind of expression. Physical comedy, you just put everything into it. Yeah, definitely. And and uh, and audience, it's been really fun here in Vancouver. It's been uh, it's been fun playing this for the audience. And you know, I think I think uh, people see a lot in the of themselves in in what happens to Gary. I think everybody does because everybody has stuff that goes wrong completely out of their control when they really it's really something that they want to go just right, especially when it comes to, you know, dating and romance. And so I think even though it's really, really silly, I think a lot of times people can see themselves in, uh, in what's going on, which, which, can, which of course makes, makes people laugh. So Misinterpretations, I think, that's where a lot of people get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm curious too, I mean, you, you made a conscious choice to, to dress as a man and become Gary. Did you base much of this on observing men or was it maybe through male friends who told you about their mishaps or or was it sort of a mixture of both or from completely the imagination you know it's kind of just completely from the imagination i I don't have this um you know uh a grand um a grand scheme of looking into the psyche of of the male dating <laughs> uh, perspective. I, I really just actually found the character first. I found this great character that just ended up being quite uh, silly, but you know, very lovable, and just sort of, sort of happened to be this guy named Gary. And then, um, and so it was sort of I wanted to see this character uh, struggle in the dating world. So it's actually kind of just from imagination. And the more I do it, the more I think it's actually, uh, based on myself more than I would like it to be probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so it's mostly from the imagination and, um, and just trying to, uh, live out this date as, as it would happen to this character. And that's kind of how I created the show. Hmm. 
Well, it's a, it's an excellent concept, and now, yeah, I do definitely see the value in in this, and di- very you know, different to what I saw last night. Deranged dating, very good, but she was playing herself completely, and uh, but so, right, so yes. you've you've stepped into a, a different created world. So that that's that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoy. I love well, I love both types of theater. You know, I love that um, the storytelling, the intimate storytelling uh, theater where you can see, you can hear the the story firsthand from from a person which can be um which fringe often offers a lot of that great uh perspective you know you get a glimpse into into some some world that normally you wouldn't really get a glimpse in um and then but i i uh have a special love for the type of theater that is very uh, transformative and i like the i definitely like the challenge of playing characters that look completely different from myself and people can kind of escape and go somewhere go somewhere totally different with their imaginations mm. well thanks very much i certainly look for look yeah. forward to watching this this is uh gary has a date and uh so it's playing at the vancouver fringe festival and still on uh we have tonight at 7 40 45 p.m saturday at 9 35 p.m and sunday at 1 15 p.m that's right and it's yeah and it's at the uh waterfront theater so i look forward to the uh to the final three shows here at the festival Okay, well, uh, thanks Thanks very much, Emily. I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now!, daily grassroots, global, unembedded, international, independent news hour. And this is CITR 101.9 FM. You can find more information about the Times there at vancouverfringe.com. And you can also find more information about the three plays on dating. The theme of this podcast, we have Gary Had a Date, Deranged Dating, and Dirty Old Woman, all at the Vancouver Fringe Festival, still on for the remainder of this weekend. My name is Matt Granlin, and this has been a podcast special for the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. I'll be your wingman. (laughs) Even if it means me taking a chubby, I will suck it up. CITR has always been your ultimate wingman. Or when you have the ladies back at your place, or whatever. Hi, we're back on the Arts Report. This is Sarah Lapsley. Thank you so much, Matt. That was totally fantastic. And we're going to um, play another one by Matt about quitting and failure and it's interesting because I went I was speaking at a charity event last night and I got to sit across from Dean Valley who's like a giant football player he was wearing this huge diamond ring which was like his playoff gray cup winning ring and I asked him sort of what the secret of his success was and he said one work hard two don't complain three follow orders and I was like yeah <laughs> So that's his secret to success. But this is about people that have, um, like we all have struggled with a sense of failure and quitting. So I'm looking forward to hearing this. So thanks for putting that together, Matt. Also just want to point out that we have uh, tickets to give away and we'll be doing that on social media a bit later. Um, And that's just for laughs, comedy. Comedy tour, ha ha ha. So Western Canada, November 5th to 16th. 
So it looks like there's some cool performers. Dimitri Martin, John Dory, Levi, Levi McDougal, and Todd Glass. So more details on that via social media, and we'll give away a couple of tickets um, for the Just for Last comedy tour. That looks like a great show. So here we are again with another Fringe podcast, and we'll be um, posting these on the our Mixcloud and the Fringe uh, website as well. So stay tuned. This is Basha Bulat, and you're listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And I'm not what I appear to be. Of all the love I have won or have lost, there is one love I should never have crossed. She was a girl in a million, my friend. I should have known she would win in the end. I'm a Hello. And welcome to a podcast special for the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM, especially for the 2014 Vancouver Fringe Festival. The words failure and quitting may mean different things to many different people, but one thing must be true. Everyone has faced failure and very likely quitting at some point in their lives. In the background is playing the song I'm a Loser by The Beatles. It's a song about romantic rejection, and music critic Richie Untberger believes it goes further to speak of hypocrisy, of keeping up a happy face when your world is falling down. So even Lennon and McCartney, seemingly at the verge of having the world at their feet in 1965, could relate to a crushing sense of failure, and articulate it well in song. Another person who has sought to make sense of what failure and quitting means is Montreal-based spoken word artist Al LaFrance, who is bringing his one-man show called The Quitter to the Vancouver Fringe Festival. As his press release states, quitting and failing aren't synonymous, although they can both be equally hilarious. Montreal funny man Al LaFrance tells tales of giving up and messing up in his solo show. Dollars to Donuts, this one's a must-see for lovers of comedy and storytelling. Al was inspired to create his show after taking stock of his life and realizing that quitting and failure were concurrent themes throughout his life. I spoke with Al this week so that listeners can get a sense of what to expect if they decide to check out his show. So, here is Al LaFrance right now. show uh i just started like i just i've been doing storytelling for a while i just started picking through which stories i like the most i started putting them together and i saw that the overall pattern of my life is that i constantly start things and then quit them so i figured i would uh, make a show out of it and i try to really uh you know find the difference between quitting and failing because i don't think those two necessarily go together some of my failures have involved quitting uh, but a lot of my quits were actually great successes, I find. So that's kind of uh, the angle that I take with the show. What is the crucial distinction between quitting and failing, do you think? Well, I think failing is when uh, you're doing something and you've exhausted every possible option to make that thing work, and then it just doesn't work, and then you give up. That might have failed. But 
if you're just in a situation, uh, like if you're working at a job that you don't like and it's, uh, you know, it might be because it's too hard or it might just not be for you and you just quit that, that's not a failure. That's a step forward. I've dropped out of college uh, three times. And I would say one of those was a failure, and two of them were legitimate quits. Uh, the first time I went to college, I really didn't know why I was there. I hadn't figured out, like, I didn't have a career path in mind or anything like that. So I just picked a program that seemed vague to me that might be interesting. I started doing that. And when I quit that, it was a good move because I was finally thinking that I might have a better idea of what I wanted to do. So I, I never considered my college dropout to be a failure so much as a just me me stepping back and actually taking stock of my life and trying to figure out what I should actually be doing. That's right, because we have so many pressures in our world. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's definitely still a lot of stigma just by saying, like, dropout. It, like, it sounds like a dirty word when you're saying, oh, yeah, I've dropped out of college. Like, I've, I've completely given up on higher education. And that's not what it is at all, right? It's, uh, it's the way that the school system works. I mean, it's not really built for everybody. You can learn a hell of a lot by not being in school just as much as you can learn by being in school. It's just uh, it's a matter of, it, you know, like, life experience versus classroom experience and those are very different things but they both teach you quite a bit you know absolutely and and I, w I was thinking about the idea of courage that what you're doing right now that takes a lot of courage for an individual to get up and do a one-man show about an, an, a topic like this that's that's not common and do you think that if you hadn't quit a lot a lot of things and gone through the tribulations of that that you would have had the courage to even do what you're doing now if you if you just stuck at the in 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 a little box you never would have got out of it i mean if i if i hadn't uh started quitting things that i didn't enjoy i never would have found the things that i do enjoy right and i i only discovered uh storytelling on stage because i had uh just quit so many things and I had nothing to do and I wanted to try new things, right? And that's, that's the other main thing about this show is that it's all about getting out there and having new experiences, right? So if I had not, you know, quit jobs and found myself with a lot of time on my hands, I never would have found the time to try out the stage and write a show. Three years ago, I decided I was going to do a show. And then one year ago, I bothered to start actually putting it on paper. Uh, so I started, yeah, last September I started writing it, and then I went through a bunch of drafts over the course of nine months where I would just start writing and then, like, put it aside and try some things and go back to it. And, uh, yeah, I started doing it. The first time I did it was in June. I didn't do any workshopping or anything. I just tried to do it at the Montreal Fringe, and, uh, yeah, it went pretty well. I just picked up from there, right? So now I will have done it. At the end of Vancouver, I would have done it 40 times in three months. I could give you, the like, the opening story of three minutes i could give you that if you want yeah that'd be that'd be great yeah take it away al i was raised in a small town called aylmer in quebec uh population was about thirty-five thousand when i was there it was a beautiful little place filled with parks and woods and squirrels uh, endless garage sales all summer kids playing hockey in the streets all winter but it also featured one beach two strip clubs three strip malls four bars and five golf courses Five. I mean, we were a golf-based suburbia. Now, I was never really good at any sports growing up. I was horrible at baseball, terrible at basketball. Absolutely loved playing hockey, but could not skate to save my life. I, I once managed to skate over my own hand, and I nicked a nerve in my right index finger, and I lost feeling in that finger from that point on. So, so hockey was absolutely out of the question. And I was and am absolutely terrible at golf. 
So I knew I'd never grow up to play in a Masters tournament or anything, but the multitude of golf courses that surrounded me at any given point, they opened a door to something else, something wonderful that didn't take all day to do, mini-golf. Now, there are three mini-golf courses in Aylmer. Two of them had the same standardized, boring course that you find everywhere else. But the third one was by far my favorite. It was absolutely unique in its design, and it was conveniently located right next to my house, and it was called the Maxi Putt. Now, the Maxi Putt, it was a masterpiece of tiny golf architecture. It was impossible to properly prepare for a game there, nearly impossible to play one without just getting progressively frustrated as you did so. Its holes were strange mazes filled with traps and rotting wood and asphalt that made your ball bounce uncontrollably, and, and there were ponds that surrounded many of the course's borderless holes. Now, I absolutely loved playing this course because all these obstacles, they rendered everybody equally terrible, which meant that I was just as good at this as anybody else. And it felt good to be equal for once, but I, I wanted more. I wanted to beat everybody. I, I kind of needed to. So one summer when I was about 11 years old, I swore to, and I knew just how to do it. So there was a 19th hole on this course, and if you got a hole in one there, you'd be granted a free game. So every time I played, I would scour through the ponds and gather up the golf balls that other golfers inevitably lost. And that way, whenever I reached the 19th hole, I'd be granted multiple opportunities at this quote-unquote hole-in-one. So I got really good at that. Uh, I played almost every single day, and I won free games every single time. I started to find the weak spots in all the holes, the little tear in the carpet that made your ball bounce over the awkward...
thing that makes me feel better is listening to CITR 101.9 FM. Hi, you're listening to The Arts Report. Thanks again, Matt Granlin, for that awesome Fringe podcast. The Fringe is going on till September 14th. Do check out the website at VancouverFringe.com. They've got some great stuff, and we'll be posting these podcasts and the live broadcast we did to our Mixcloud. Um, and you can... We'll post the links on our social media and also keep an eye on our social media for Just for Laughs comedy tickets. You and a date can enjoy a lovely evening out. That's in November. Um, So I'm going to play another podcast made by the lovely Danielle Piper. She's worked very hard on it. It's on the theme of the environment. Um, And she's done a great job. I'm about to play that. And then we'll sign off and stay tuned at 6 p.m. for the first fresh episode of the year for UBC Arts On Air. So here's Danielle Piper on the Fringe Festival. For some reason, I can't open Danielle's file. So maybe I'm just going to throw on a song. Do you know what song I want to play? Is is Dead Soft. I saw Dead Soft at Victory Square Block Party, and I was super impressed. They're doing a lot of touring and playing. And so, yeah, I've been meaning to play their song. So I'm going to play Dead Soft, and then we're going to see if we can get Daniel's thing up. Um, But, yeah, they're like a new band. They're like a trio from, I think they're from Prince George. And this song is called Everything. And so stay tuned on the Arts Report.
Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the downtown area at The Baker and the Chef, Bang On T-Shirts, Beat Street Records, Dunleavy Snack Bar, The Fall Tattooing, Fortune Sound Club, Hits Boutique, Pacific Cinematheque, Perch, The Portside Pub, Save On Meats, and Vinyl Records. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. Hi, we're back on the Arts Report. It's 5 to 6. Um, so, Danielle, we will figure out your podcast. Uh, I can't play it due to technical reasons at this time. So um, we're going to go into UBC Arts on air in a couple of minutes, but there's some fun things happening. Uh, I just wanted to draw attention to a news item. Um, so a statue, everyone's heard about it because it's been in the news. Um, a statue suddenly appeared overnight in a location, I think around the kind of Clark Street uh, Skytrain station. And um, <laughs> overnight, and and it was a, and actually it's funny because that night we were having band practice and our space is just near there. And overnight, this giant red Satan statue with the huge erect penis just appeared in this little kind of park area and uh, city crews removed this, the statue of a devil who has an erect penis on Tuesday. So it's unknown where the statue came from, um, but the city officials told the global news that it wasn't commissioned and consequently has to be removed. Uh, and Maddie Granger, who we had as a guest on our show um, a couple of weeks ago, he's a filmmaker, He's taken it upon himself to start a petition to have the satanic statue reinstated. Uh, and he even spoke with the Edmonton Sun. So it's made news out in Edmonton. Um, so the petition has been started on change.org. I'm just linking to it here. It says, please give Maddie Granger that awesome Satan statue. He says, the incredible statue of the great Satan that was erected in East Vancouver has been removed. With so few awesome things in Vancouver, I feel that the Satan statue needs to be preserved in the loving warmth of the Granger Brothers Auditorium. Um, so he's written a letter to Mayor, Mayor, <laughs> Mayor Gregor Robertson. And so let's hope that's, I mean, that someone has taken the statue and will preserve it and bring it back it's it actually was put up in a very good spot and I think that's where they should return the spot uh so I'm just you know I've also been tweeting live on uh Twitter under the handle throughout the show under the Twitter handle at crest underscore clinician talking about world suicide world suicide prevention day and um I don't think there's anybody who hasn't lost someone they know to suicide um, so tune in to that uh, trending topic. What's the thing? The hashtag um, WSPD2014. I like, yeah, and I'm not into hashtags. I have to say I've, I've said this a number of times before. Um, I'm not a fan of them, but who cares what I think, right? Okay, I played Dead Soft. I'm going to leave... Uh, 
with the song for a few minutes and then we're going to come back um, to, for UBC Arts on Air. They have a brand new fresh episode, the first of the year. Um, but I wanted to just play a new pornographer song and send it out to my friends in the new pornographers, wishing them well. And I'm trying to find the song I wanted to play. Well, this is a short live version, so let's go with that. Here's Jackie, and stay tuned for UBC Arts on Air. Jackie. Hey, are you guys going to roll out after? <laughs> 